1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, regular guest on the show, Lucas Kaplan of Nets Republic and Nets Daily. Sally, Lucas, Nets winning streak is over. Chicago got the W tonight. One eighteen ninety-five. How are we doing, Lucas?
2: Doing pretty well. Uh, that was a game where you know you taste you taste it uh, uh, coming in having won five in a row, and that is a circled game in the schedule. Just that it's the hardest game in, in a string of maybe lesser opponents, although. The win over the raptors was certainly very quality and um you just think oh if we somehow find a way to squeeze this out on a back-to-back and it could be a turning point in an even longer winning streak and when you play really well for three quarters or at least stretches of three quarters it makes it a little harder to swallow because you taste it a little you smell the w and then it just you know i think they ran out of gas
1: Yeah, and you felt like it's a close game. We have Kevin Durant, James Harden looked like he was kind of getting back in the groove in in Toronto, and then just like you said, they run out of gas, they don't finish, they don't execute right, they don't play up to the standard in which you want them to play in the fourth quarter because, like – even if they lose the game and the Bulls hit, like, you know, Zach Levine, crazy game winner, you feel, all right, whatever. Like, that's a loss. But this one, it just kind of, they let it go, and the Bulls were able to capitalize. And we're going to jump into that in plenty more, but you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Now, Lucas, what would you say is the number one reason the Nets lost this game?
2: Well, I think it's it would be a disservice to just say, like, oh, they got tired, this and that, without looking at some of the more schematic issues. Um, and to that end, I would say, although they – ended up allowing 118 points I'd look more at the offensive side of things just because I feel like the defense was largely solid I mean some stretches were genuinely excellent um and the Bulls started getting really hot at the end and taking the energy out of the Nets and and those last you know 20 points weren't really I don't think indicative of how the Nets played defense but offensively in the second half it kind of started in that at the beginning of the third quarter KD made a few tough buckets at the end of the third, and then it really continued with that no Harden, no KD bench unit in the fourth. It just was not as synergistic. Uh, it wasn't as free-flowing, um, a little bit more cramped. Some of the spacing, spacing issues that we've seen uh, came up again, and um, sort of just a lack of creation, uh, especially with that Mills, Harris, Aldridge, Benbry, Brown unit, I think. Um, yep. Yeah, the Bulls, to their credit, did an excellent job really uh, locking down, clamping down and just making all those actions harder and getting more physical with the Nets. And I think that last little raise of intensity that happens when you enter the fourth quarter of of a tightly contested game, the Nets just couldn't meet the Bulls at that level.
1: Yep, and I think some credit to the Bulls, like you said, they turned it up, especially when the Nets played that lineup without Harden and KD. They did a great job of just shutting down Mills and Harris. They were forced to a lot of tough LaMarcus Aldridge post-ups. thought Bradley did a pretty good job on him down there too. And then it's just like a lot of mental errors and just not having the gas. And I think like... James Harden not being juiced up and not being able to make life easier for guys hurts. And I think that lineup in general, that's where you have to kind of find a way to stagger Kevin Durant and James Harden, even if that means, hey, you know, one of these guys has to rest for two minutes in the middle of the fourth. You just want to have one of the stars out there. And I think this is kind of the example of like, yeah, you miss Kyrie Irving because, you know, it's the second out of a back-to-back, one of your stars probably has juice and he'd be the guy that might drop 40 tonight, especially with you know the offense getting so stagnant. He's a guy that can just really create on himself. But the game was still winnable regardless. I think you just need to find a way to manage the minutes maybe a little bit better. I think guys were definitely gassed in that fourth quarter, maybe leaning on you know a Millsap a little bit more, maybe playing Bembray more minutes or something along those lines. I think they just needed some more juice and some more hustle plays, and it just wasn't there. And like you said, the Bulls just turned it up, and the Nets didn't match.
2: Yeah, I'm not— totally understanding the Millsap playing only seven or eight. First I almost half. feel bad for him in, in each of the last two games. And yeah. it's not like, you know, especially in the Toronto game, I, I I could see it because, all right, he, I thought had a good stint in that first half, um, part of a pretty productive bench unit. And then you go, all right, they played really well with Adam the second half. Maybe you're saving him for that second night of the back to back. So you can give Blake or Aldridge, you know, a little, little more rest. But it was the opposite. You know, they did it again, and then they leaned on Blake and um, Aldridge just as just as heavily. Uh, yep. That was a little confusing to me, especially because lately Millsap is a guy that, for better or worse, is taking it upon himself to create some offense. Um, and I think it's mostly been for better, uh, just because, you know, he's playing with units that could certainly use some offensive juice, and he's been very willing to, okay, I'm going to, bully my way to the basket just through force of will get there draw two and then make a nice pass and i mean on the whole it's been working so that was a little confusing for sure um But yeah, I think you
1: look at Millsap, too, is like you saw the Bulls kind of attack Blake and Aldridge a little bit in that drop. Millsap, I think, moves better than both those guys. None of them move really well. But I think I would at least give Millsap a try to see defensively if they could kind of improve in just some of that fourth quarter where it looked like Aldridge and Blake started to look tired.
2: Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is they they were still in that drop, which just requires a lot of effort from your guard to get over screens. With Millsap, if you wanted to maybe go more switching and just make that a little bit easier on guys, uh, I think that's maybe something they could have explored with more Millsap as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great point. Not only is drop harder just because the, you're putting a lot of pressure on the guards to get over the screen and the way they're allowing physicality now, it's just like, you can, it's like a fullback block out there sometimes. Yeah. And that, and now it's just like, okay, you have to get over the screen. You're putting out so much energy and now you need to reduce something offensively. It's kind of just like a beating. And like, this is an older team. It's not the youngest team in the NBA. There's a lot of veterans. You're asking a lot of some of these guys to do that on a nightly basis. But, um, Any other reasons you think stuck out that you are like, ah, man, they could have been better? I guess for me, offensive rebounding really hurt. Not as much in the second half, but just to kick off the game. I think it was like seven offensive boards in the first quarter. And it's just like, those are buckets you don't want to give up because I think Katie pointed out something, you know, 12 more shots for the Bulls than the Nets. And the Nets can still win games with that differential, but it definitely makes it harder when you're facing a good team.
2: Yeah, and it's something that is on the scouting report, I think, for every team now um, facing the Nets crash hard from the wings, you know, crash hard from the corners, they'll give you second opportunities. Uh, So it should be even more front of mind now for the Nets. And, and yeah, a game like that where you know the travel schedule and you know the energy disposition and an excellent home crowd, by the way, for Chicago, all of those things are not going to be in your favor. It's definitely important not to allow, you know, that many extra shots. Agreed.
1: I guess breaking down the players, talking Kevin Durant, another – Big game for him. 38 points, 13 of 24 from the field, three of eight from three, nine of nine from the free throw line, ten rebounds, four assists, two turnovers. KD is just kind of magic out there sometimes. God, I cannot believe how how good he is still. That's real. Yeah. He's just so good. Two
2: turnovers, too. Two turnovers. That's it. Um, and a lot of a lot of ball handling responsibilities. Um the KD Aldridge front court with no harden is really, I think, excellent because um, just great spacing. You can play those guys with the Browns and the Bembrys, uh, lesser shooters, but, but good cutters and active defenders. It just makes a lot of sense. And I think that was the unit that um, that really played well in that second quarter to close it out. Uh, no, he's just so... he's just. I said this, I think, with Matt Brooks on his podcast, but he's such... He's an even better shooter
1: this year. It feels like. Yeah, um, and, and he's going, like automatic from the elbow. Like every elbow, I feel like it's a layup for him.
2: Yeah, that those possessions where he catches it with the ball at his head yeah. and, and turns and faces without dipping the ball at all. It's yep. just, it's like how it's like it's it's like watching the monsters play basketball.
1: It's like when you play like your little cousin or something in basketball, and they just like can't contest, and it feels that way. I think KD like his ball handling looks crispier this year like he looks like he's more comfortable getting downhill and getting some of those buckets in the paint. I think, you know, the even with, like you mentioned, the two turnovers, I thought the Bulls started to send heavier double teams in the second half. Not super consistent, but when there was opportunities in the post to hit him hard and get the ball out of his hands, they did that. So, you no, know, KD was one of the guys that played really well for the Nets tonight. And I think he did a nice job too when he had the defensive, you know, option on DeRozan or whoever it was because that length is having an impact where the other guys, they weren't necessarily feeling, they weren't forcing them to be felt. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, he's really their security blanket. It's funny, you hear the Nets announcers talk about it and I hear road or opposing announcers use the same term. He just settles everything down um, yep. for them. He's really at this rate, their only, you know, isolation score and feels weird because I know Harden's numbers indicate that he's scoring well um, in isolation situations, but it just doesn't feel like that for whatever reason um, this year for him. And uh, as you said, uh, it's also an area where they miss, obviously, Kyrie. I mean, they miss him every game, but this game in particular, which was kind of a slog and the offense gets a little disjointed in the second half and guys are tired It hurts to not have another sort of Band-Aid for the offense.
1: Yeah, somebody who can turn a terrible possession into three points or two points with kind of ease, just like he's a bad shot maker. And credit the Bulls, too. I think they hit a couple of really tough shots, especially Zach Levine, who looks like he just kind of floats in the air when he shoots sometimes. But also, I think KD, too, is like you're starting to see kind of more playmaking or offensive creation, even from his touches, not just scoring from himself. You're starting to see other guys kind of benefit from just playing with Kevin Durant. Obviously, that's always been the case, but it just seems like it's happening maybe a little bit more as the season progresses.
2: Yeah, his playmaking has been excellent um, this year. Uh, pr- probably an even greater, um, you know, an, an even greater area improvement as well as the shooting. Um, it's just night and day when you look at him from five, six years ago on those OKC teams. Um, he's had so many plays this year now where he drives the baseline and then swings it not to the corner but to the wing to beat yep. the guy rotating down and. When he posts up, it allows the Nets to explore a lot of different offensive options. You know, he's posting up on a guy that's always shorter than him, no matter who it is, and he can survey the whole floor. And he hit Joe Harris a couple times um, just from a standstill position, catching the ball in the post 18 feet out and whipping it to the other side of the floor, Um, which is a much – I think it's easier to space around that sort of uh, spot on the floor versus – maybe Harden dribbling 25 feet away from the basket. It's easier to make cuts and, you know, get your weak side spacing right, I think.
1: Yeah, I think the defense has to make a quicker reaction because he's closer to the basket and he's just more lethal. You know what I mean? Like any mm-hmm. second, you know, he's just a pop. So it's like if you're going to send a double team or whatever you're going to do, you better do it quick. And then it's kind of, it's, I think it's easier to react sometimes, like out of that movement.
2: Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, Bruce Brown and Bembry, those guys can follow their men to KD. Yep. A lot of the time and I think that's a great point you say about the urgency of the doubles whereas you know when it's a guy driving in a straight line to the basket there's more of a give and take it's easier to you know shade over play between yep. two guys whereas Katie it, it's code red you know you're either <laughs> doing it or you're not Yeah, doubling or you're letting him play one-on-one but you can't half-ass it
1: Yep, that's pretty much it because he's going to make you pay either scoring or passing the basketball the way he's playing. I guess talking about one of the cutters who had a rough night tonight, Bruce Brown. 0 of 8 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3, 1 rebound, 2 blocks, 2 turnovers. What would you think of Bruce tonight? The defense and the
2: effort and that stuff is always needed, so he can go 0 for 8 and he's still going to deserve the minutes he gets, but his floater, we know the numbers, we've seen it go in a million times, but yet just because of the shot itself it's something that defenses if they're not going all out to prevent it at this point, I just don't think they will. Um yep. I think defenses are just okay generally giving up that shot. Um, because you have to figure it's just a hard shot to make a lot of yeah. the time. It's it's and, it's a hard shot. And he shot. takes
1: them out deep sometimes and it's just like, damn, that's even harder. It's like twelve feet, you know, it's yeah. like those yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Joe Harris will take
2: perfect form pull-up jump shots from six feet away. And Bruce Brown will take those one foot push shots from like the yep. free throw line. Um, but yeah, no. And, and you see, he's their best role, man, but he's really not because yeah. just being six, four is so hard. Just that extra load time and that extra time it takes that extra 0.5 seconds or whatever it is makes such a defense uh, difference, you know, in the defense recovering. Um So it's just it's hard to believe we haven't seen more of these types of games just just from his shot diet. I mean, they're all in the paint. They're all in that, you know, like three to 10 foot area, but he takes a lot of hard shots over outstretched arms
1: yeah of true centers and also i think with the improved like physicality or the allowance of physicality it's harder for him to get some of those free layups that he usually gets because now the defenders are just willing to kind of body bump him and his finishing package is okay but it's not anything elite or anything like that so you know offensively it would have been nice to get a little bit more from bruce but like you said defensively still a lot of energy did a nice job just kind of getting in the body of zach levine different points in this game who like i mentioned before is a really
0: good player Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Moving over to Blake Griffin. You know, quiet night for him after a really nice game against Toronto. Two points, 1-5 of from the field, 0-4 from 3-0 with two from the free throw line, seven rebounds, four assists one turnover. What would you think of Blake Lucas?
2: I've been pretty out, outspoken about Blake not living up to expectations this year as a starter and not because of the shooting um, really, although it would be obviously nice to see him make more shots as he did in Toronto, but more because, you know, despite the uh, blue-collar boys and the lunch pail and the hard hat, <laughs> a lot of anti-blue-collar plays from him yep. were... He doesn't make a rotation or he's just not really giving a lot of effort on the glass. Um, So tonight, I thought, was more similar to the Toronto game, which was by far his best of the season, where there were less of those plays, I thought. I thought generally I had less to complain about from a maybe activity standpoint. But overall, there's still a lot of possessions where... He's just on the perimeter, and between him and Bruce Brown, the spacing just isn't there. Um, Some of it is the way they deploy those guys, but when you have two really non-shooters or non-spacers out there, it just makes life a lot harder. Although I do like that they're using him more as a role man and in the dunker spot. He's getting more touches around the paint, um, which I think is why he had four assists tonight. Just He's a good inside-out passer, so... You know, if I had to give it a grade, I'd say like a B minus, C plus, um, nothing too crazy one way or the other.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I brought it up on, I think the most recent buzz and one before that is just like, he needs to take advantage of some of the free shots he gets inside the paint. You know, you saw like a lay in tonight or got to the free throw line. I think that's just at least providing some type of offensive value because the shot is so inconsistent. Like you mentioned, I think again, some of the better teams, they kind of take advantage of Blake and Bruce Brown on the floor. Whereas again, some of the bad teams they are just going to be out to him. Like Even, you know, some of the younger players, what was it, a game against the Hawks where the guy came off of Blake to, or came off of KD to help on Blake's three? Like, that's not always going to happen, especially against some of these veteran teams. And I think um, Vucevic playing really bad, too, made Blake's game look a little bit better. Like, if Vucevic was playing like his normal self, like we saw last year, maybe, you know, you don't feel as good about it. But overall, just kind of did his normal thing. It's like, you know his limitations at this point, and like, you just hope that he can knock down a few threes in the game.
2: Yeah, you hope that he has five or six plays that are genuinely impactful and that the rest of the time he's not screwing up. And today, I don't think he had too many screw-ups. I think I noticed one or two times where he didn't get in rotation or or something like that, but there were almost none of the five, six you know, impact plays. And so when that happens, it's just like he's just kind of there.
1: Exactly, because then there's some plays where like, demar DeRozan rosen hits him coming off of the screen downhill hits him with the euro step gets an easy basket just because like it's blake griffin it's not any type of rim protector type guy
2: right and it's hard it's hard to even be mad at blake for that you know he's giving an effort he's in position that's just yeah. not really that's just not really his strength and i thought the nets activity on ball and getting over screens was a step down um and i think part of that is you know just dead legs back to back um, Yep. They did have that stretch, though, in the second quarter where like they were it wasn't even the getting over screens, but they were just like flying around and help and getting their hands on balls and contesting shots. Yeah, um, I
1: think in that second quarter, there was good help. You forced a lot of turnovers, just active hands coming in from the help, forcing the steals, getting some transition buckets. I think they won the second, like 30 to 16. It's just yeah. like then the Bulls tightened up third game in the third quarter. The Bulls kind of almost did what the Nets did against the Raptors. And like they came out in the third quarter really strong, set things up. And they didn't dominate the third, but they at least got their groove right. And that ended up helping them in the fourth. But moving over to Joe Harris. Not a crazy game for him. Not a bad game either. Nine points, three of seven from the field, three of five from three, five rebounds, two assists, one steal, one turnover. I mean, the biggest takeaway for me is just the continued confidence from three. He's getting back to his normal groove, and that's just going to be a crucial thing the entire season.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, he is is looking more like himself from three, and you know, we're expecting the ball to go in and and you yep. know, just stuff like that. But um, the one thing I would say is that. It's on a night like this, um, it's it's hard for him to play 34 minutes and get seven shots. I mean, I know he doesn't have a lot of creation ability, um, and I know maybe his driving to the basket has been less than stellar this year, but one shot every, what is that, five minutes is, is not ideal, I think. Um, and it's hard because right now the Nets offense isn't as – you hope this is not the final product. You hope this is not as gelled together as they're going to be. Um, but the Nets just don't really have a lot of ways to get him going. You know, it's kind of by happenstance. Uh, yeah. Kind of the flow of the offense. And as we know, Joe's not a guy to press the issue. And this is a game without Kyrie and, you know, all the other factors we've talked about. You almost wish you could rewire his brain to be a little bit more, I'm getting mine tonight. But that's, yep. not, that's not what makes Joe Harris, Joe Harris. So...
1: Yeah, and I think like we've mentioned a lot during the season, like James Harden's better, Joe Harris is getting more open threes. It's just really that simple because he's getting more paint touches. And I think one thing I'd like to see from Joe, like you said, kind of rewire him, but just get a couple more of those elbow jump shots. Like I think we saw two against the Raptors that went down, like just something to create a little bit of offense at times can be something rather than nothing. And especially considering like, you know, I'd rather see Joe probably take a mid-range jumper than Bruce Brown take a three. Yeah, I, exactly,
2: and um, I'd rather even, you know, if Bruce, Bro, Bruce Brown's floater isn't falling, curl Joe Hayaris off even more, like short curls, you know, yep. that, that, that end him up, like you said, at 15 feet rather than 22, uh, especially when he looked really nice shooting the ball today, three of five, some contested threes, and, you know, of his O, so he was O of two from two. I remember one of those was a pretty strong take, and he ended up getting a good look. Yep. with his right hand on the left side of the basket and it just kind of rimmed out. But I was like pretty happy with that look and you know he smacked his hands in frustration cuz you know he thought it was one he should make and and I agreed. Um so you just like to see more of that. Like at this point when the offense is sluggish and you know you're getting turnovers or just tough possessions I don't care I really would like him to take a bad shot, you know, try to force the especially
1: issue. when he's out there without the stars.
2: Especially and cuz he he can get by guys pretty you know, I think more than people realize, uh, his first step really is not that slow. That one on the shot clock violation where he ended up missing the finger roll, but he had a jab step and like got right by Javante green. I'm okay with him doing that a little more, you know, I'd like to see him fail at that a little bit more, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think so. Especially with the limited options at times, like in the lineup, when he's playing with Mills, Aldridge and Bembry and either Carter or Brown, like, Who else is really creating much? It's just a lot of guys running off screens or LaMarcus in the post. So what's the worst that can happen? And I think that's kind of one of the next levels for Joe Harris as a player. It's just kind of having, like, the counter to the three-point shot. And then also teams have done a better job taking away the drive. So it's like getting that mid-range or that in-between as something. But moving on from Joe, James Harden played really well against the Raptors tonight. Not as much, not a great game, not a terrible game. 14 points, 4 of 11, 3 of 7 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 4 turnovers. Out of all the nets, I would say he started to look mentally gassed the most. Yeah, I would agree. And it's also weird to see him play 34
2: minutes and take 11 shots with only 3 free throw attempts. Yeah. So, I want to say that is equivalent to, you know, a whole nother shot attempt. That's 12 shots, essentially. Yep. For him. Um, and there are times where he still just looks passive and and reminiscent of, you know, post-trade last year, James Harden. Like, I don't know if you remember that play where I think it was off a closeout or something. Bruce Brown was kind of standing under the rim and he wanted to pass it to him in the air until the last second when he decided to go up with it and he missed yep. the layup. It went in around. That's That was very telling to me. Not because I thought it was, it was a bad player, this or that, like, you know, he thought the defender was going to commit to him, but it seems like he's still just very much in a passive mindset. And, you know, that could be for a number of reasons, you know, all the chatter surrounding him. But when he's only taking 12 shots and over half of them are threes, that's just not a lot of pain pressure
1: yeah i agree and i think that's what really stuck out against the raptors is you had all that paint pressure able to generate more offense and make life easier for other guys and he just i think probably some of it being gas some of it just being the confidence type of thing but that's a great point on that play because that's a layup you want to see him hit i think katie ended up missing a layup on like the next possession and that's just kind of how runs start for the other team at different points and they get some confidence and it's like all right that's four points we should have had you're going to miss out on that and you know, the nights that James Harden doesn't play well or is not a true offensive force, it's just going to be harder for the Nets to win with this roster unless, you know, one of the role players is stepping up and having a big game. You know, KD obviously did his job, but Lamarcus put up 19, but you didn't really get much between Joe Harris and Patty Mills. You'd probably want a little bit more scoring to have a chance to win against a good team.
2: Yeah, no. Combine, you know, when Griffin, Brown, and Mills combined for seven points... <laughs> Adding add in zero from, you know, Millsap and and only seven shots, as we said, for Joe Harris. It's just hard uh, when Harden is only, you know, taking 12 shots and scoring 14 points. The one thing that was interesting, though, is that it didn't really feel like he couldn't get to the rim tonight. It didn't feel like those first few— He games- cooked a couple guys. That's why I was surprised he didn't do it more. Yeah, I, I guess I just I'm wondering why that is. That that's why I think it was more of the second night of a back to back type thing and then Caruso guarding him at the end of the game versus you know, something to be legitimately worried about. You know, I guess for Harden it's like if you're gonna make an iffy decision, I'd rather you shoot the ball. You know, yeah. I'd rather me be like, eh, maybe you should have passed that versus me being like, eh, maybe you should have shot that. Um But again, you know, that's not the first time I've said that with Harden, and I guess at the end of the day, that's what makes him such an amazing offensive engine, so it's hard to complain, but it's funny. The, The recurring theme of this so far is, I guess I just wish guys would force it, force the issue a little more, which is normally not something you'd say.
1: Yeah, I think some guys did. I think Katie made a point earlier in the season. Guys are being maybe a little bit too like passive and they need to be a little bit more selfish because there's good players, you're good scorers. And I think another thing for Harden is like, I don't remember seeing, we haven't really seen many floaters. That was something that he did a decent amount with the Nets. Obviously some of that's not having the rim runner Nick Claxton, but I think there's other opportunities for him to just get more shots up. Just like you said, you know, if someone's going to miss on this team, I want it to be one of the best offensive players, you know, Katie, James Harden, or Joe Harris. Like if those guys are missing, they're missing shots it's okay it's when it's like a shot the defense wants you to take that's when it's like all right you lost the possession
2: yeah so so bruce brown is 0 of 8 and harden is 4 of 11 and and mills is 2 of 9 this is kind of a game where you if you were just looking at the box score you'd say man you know i kind of wish harden was like 5 for 17
1: you yeah. know and then if he's 5 for 17, maybe he gets the free throw line a little more. Obviously, the refs are giving him an extremely hard time, but he's still getting some calls at least. Yeah,
2: yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what's up with the refs thing right now. I mean, it just, I think it's maybe as simple as they watched a lot of hardened tape in the off season to prepare for the new yeah. rules.
1: It's crazy. I mean, some of them, it's just like I put out a tweet yesterday. It was just like, you have to penalize like the other team when they foul first. Like I get it. Harden might hook, but like guys are reaching like that's a foul. And he is a lefty like Ryan Rucco always brings up. So it's a little bit different in the way he kind of grabs the ball. And like at the end of the day, like sometimes when you hook, it's still a foul. <laughs> like I don't, I don't really get yeah. it. But.
2: And, and some of them aren't even hooks. Like the one, like the one. It's just really a gather. one. Yeah. He's just gathering. The yep. one, uh, the one on Vooch that I don't think they called where he's, going to the rim you know
1: he's not he's not even really hooking he's just bringing his arms through the through the lane and that's like been his that's been bread and butter for a lot of guys like you have strong hands you show the ball in the paint someone's dumb enough to reach for it you get to the free throw line like that's the defense being not disciplined it makes me think back to um when Harden faced the Spurs in the playoffs and Popovich had like all of his players like hide their hands or keep them up so he couldn't get the call and it's like That's what he does, but that's not against the rules. So it's just – it's frustrating, and obviously you saw him kind of celebrate when he got that and one because it's just like – it's got to be annoying for him too. Yeah, I – yeah, the
2: rules, the refs, hopefully that stabilizes over time. I put it on a tweet yesterday. I don't want to get too far off topic, but the the hooking stuff and the hands feel like different to me than the rest of the rule changes. I'm not as gung-ho about it just because – I just think that requires a different level of skill and anticipation. And if you do want to gather the ball when the guy's hand is in your chest, what are you supposed to do? You know, like it's a foul. I, <laughs> you know I,
1: what I mean?
2: I feel like that's more like, oh, the defender has his hand in the cookie jar and yep. you're penalized and you're you're catching him versus, you know, some of the pump fake, I'm diving wildly into you to throw the ball at the rim. That's less that's less natural to me. But yeah you know we'll
1: see Harden and will it's like it. a kind of like the idea of a rip move if you couldn't if if you could never get that call then like why would you you know what i mean like it's it's the yeah. same type of thing hand on the chest it's a it's a foul like you're gonna call it then you should call it
2: right and the rip move they eventually were like okay that's gonna be a non-shooting foul which is a way happier medium for me yep. than making it an offensive foul or making it a no call you know
1: yeah I agree 100%. I think we could probably talk about the officiating and just this current NBA right now for a good chunk of time. So I'll we'll move on. And not to say that the Nets lost the game because officiating, that didn't really play a big part in it at all. No. It was just the Nets didn't play well enough in the fourth quarter to win this one. But getting on to some of the bench guys, uh, Ben Bray, um, four points, two or three from the field, one rebound, two steals. As we've kind of talked about, a lot of controlled chaos from Bembray when he's out on the floor in a good way.
2: Yeah, you know, he's a negative 15 in this game, which is like this game, you 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 miss that Kyrie, you just miss that, please go get a bucket or just get yep. yourself to the foul line or the paint just because there's not a lot of flow and rhythm. And that's a situation where a guy like Bembry can look worse than he is just because you can't rely on Bembry for that. But man, he's a, like, a he makes me sweat just like watch, <laughs> watching him guard. Uh, yeah. He's all up in, guys. He's a blue-collar man out
1: there. Um, he's, yeah. His off-ball defense is so fun, too. Like, the deflections and then, like, the pick he had in the backcourt. Like, that's just, yeah. a, it, it just gave me real, like, cornerback vibes of, like, jumping around.
2: Yeah, and the closeouts he makes, uh, he just, per, exactly what this Nets
1: team needs.
2: Um, in the same way that when Bruce Brown first started getting minutes last year, it was like, whoa, that's, like, an infusion of, strength and just uh, just chaos controlled chaos out there and now you have more of that um he's been a I'm, he's been a positive in every game he, he's played so far this year it feels like and it's like 17 minutes for him is probably a sweet spot but i wouldn't complain if you wanted to bump him up to 21 22 minutes in more star driven lineups i like that nash put him in in the first quarter with the yep. harding d lineups It feels like those are the lineups where he could really pop, you know? Yeah,
1: and he was the first sub, I think, off the bench today as well. So that's just – it's like a guy going from not being in the rotation to in the rotation. It's good stuff. And I think, like you said, there is the one defensive possession he had on DeRozan in the post. He just put the clamps on him and forced the jump ball. That was just like you said. It just brings some different type of energy to the team. And no three balls tonight, but the three balls looked a little bit better than I thought it would you know so maybe it's something he can at least hit a couple corner threes here and there
2: yeah maybe it's more of a bruce brown situation um, and he looks you know comfortable taking them i'm sure they've told i'm sure they've told him you know catch and fire when you're open and yep it's that it's also that psychological thing where we can sit here and say why are you closing out to a guy that's shooting 27.4% from 3 this year but when you take one and especially if you make one in a game it's natural your guys stunt you guys there's instincts instincts your your brain goes i just saw this guy take a three you know i'm gonna respect it a little more and that's when he's really good driving to the rim you know against any sort of closeout it doesn't even need to be a hard one he's really explosive getting from the rim getting from the three-point line to the rim so
1: yeah yeah he does a nice job of just a attacking the open space and just like hitting the rim at a nice angle where he has a chance to finish he had that nice finish in the first quarter maybe it was the early second quarter in the first half for sure so i really like the way he's playing giving him that extra energy patty mills tonight five points two and nine from the field one of five from three uh two assists one rebound probably could have used a little bit more offensive pop from patty but still brought good energy off ball defensively one thing about patty is that like,
2: yeah, he's a great three point shooter. And then obviously, some nights he'll go whatever he went from, whatever, he, one to five tonight, you know, that'll happen. Um, it's hard when he's the sort of lead guard out there in those bench units just because he's not ever really putting pressure on the rim. He yep. really has his only inside the arc game is uh, he'll take very predetermined one dribble, two dribble pull ups, like 17 feet. Um, that are sometimes just to be honest, like not great shots because, yeah.
1: and then there's like a crazy fade on them sometimes.
2: Yeah. Just cause it seems like you can tell that like he's made up his mind that that's the shot he's going to take. Yes. So therefore like he's taking it no matter what. And if he has to fade and put high arc on it, cause a guy comes out of nowhere to contest, he's going to, um, he's still a really good extra passer though. Like when the yep. ball's moving around, he makes really quick decisions. He had that one really nice one to Joe Harris. Uh, So he's just not adding a lot of offensive value on his own, especially when he's out there with, with the non-stars because he's not getting to the paint really at all.
1: Yeah. He's, he's more of a secondary creator. Somebody who's coming off screens and needs things created for him. My point has always been like, he's used to playing in San Antonio. It's like a quick pass run around. Like he never really handles the ball a ton. You know what I mean? He's not necessarily like setting things up. And like you said, I think like an issue for this team and, you know, we could have talked about this in the offseason easily, especially the absence of Kyrie, is you're just not getting enough rim pressure. Like, there's just points in the game where it's just like, even to start this one, the Nets took like eight threes and one two. You know what I mean? Like, you have to get some type of paint touches here and there.
2: Yeah, that and and it's compounded by, you know, Harden not being quite James Harden. Um, but thats that's been my biggest, you know, if you, if anybody's following me like at all this year, they know that my one thing about this team is that, There's not really a a reliable rim roller and there's not really a reliable downhill guy. Um, So this isn't, there was never a paint oriented offense last year, even at their best, but sometimes there are stretches where you don't get a lot of balance. And if the three shots aren't falling as they weren't in the second half, there's no bailout where you get an easy layup or you get to the foul line. They have to work much harder this year.
1: Yeah, and even when they're doing post touches, like those post touches are usually like fadeaway mid-range shots. It's not like Lamarcus is really getting a ton of hook shots, or if he is, they're they weren't good. So but talking Lamarcus, he started this game pretty hot. Nineteen points, eight of thirteen from the field, one of one from three, two of three from the free throw line, seven rebounds, one steal, two blocks, one turnover. Lamarcus is definitely giving them some offensive punch. I think defensively, you saw maybe a couple issues for him in the fourth quarter just when the Nets guards were losing some of their juice coming off the screens.
2: Yeah, he's been much better on defense, like sort of helping over and being in position to block shots just because he's yep. so big. But when he's meeting guys like downhill, you know, when a Nets guard gets picked off on a screen and kind of they're out of the play, you know, DeRozan coming at him with a full head of steam or Levine, that's just never going to be his strength. Um yep. You know, when he, when the nets are at their best with him and drop, is when they courted, sort of angle off a section of the court that he has to be responsible for. When yep. they force the ball hand, handler into sort of a contained area, like when they ice pick and rolls or when they get them to the side, he's pretty good because he's just responsible for a small amount of space and he's yep. so big. Um, but yeah, no, when he's the primary guy and guys are like attacking him downhill, he's just not going to be able to do much. Uh, some miscommunications or, or some hard in not getting over screen situations led him to switches, you know, at some points, which weren't great. Um, and then offensively, after he missed his first shot, Ruko said, "Ah, he's you know, regression of the mean, he's not going to <laughs> 80%. And then he made his next seven shots. In yeah. a row.
1: <laughs> it, it's crazy. And he does this thing where he like doesn't take layups. Like he had the wide open dunk. I think that was more of like, he just thought Bradley was there, but like, off that offensive rebound like he didn't even think to go like layup form. he's like let me hit a quick five foot fadeaway like shot in the paint I was just like whatever whatever works for you you feel comfortable I mean it's pretty to watch like his shot is just super soft I know it's like it's truly like
2: dipping a dipping a snack in a in a you in know a, in a, like yeah. dipping a cookie in milk it's just one little flick of the wrist yep. um and he's so st- he must be so strong man um yeah, it's like we're keep, I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, when is when is he going to go over three, like, from the mid-range? And it just never happens.
1: Yeah. And he's been huge for the Nets, especially, like, we talked about a lot of, like, Tyree's absence, at least getting some type of scoring punch for Aldridge and Harden not playing well. Like, it's given you something that can hold over periods where the offense is a little dry.
2: Yeah, it does feel like more of that, like, you don't want to rely on it, but it, it's a boost. And I think we saw that in the fourth quarter at the beginning of that fourth quarter where it was no hard and no KD. And they were like, all right, let's post LaMarcus up. And the Bulls, I think this was smart. The Bulls to their credit said, we're not doubling. We're not giving Bembry and Brown opportunities to cut behind us or Mills to relocate. Like we're just going to make Aldridge score and take tough turnarounds. And that's when it sort of showed up like, You can run an offense through him at times, but he can't be
1: the offense. Yeah, and it has to be against lesser teams. Like when you're playing the Pistons or something, I think that's a lot easier because they're just going to make some mental mistakes and it's going to give you some easy buckets where like you're facing a team like, excuse me, uh, the Bulls like tonight, they're just going to be able to handle a little better. And I thought Bradley did a nice job in the fourth quarter too, just like muscling him up. And
2: Bradley, and that wasn't like a, and, and that is a good point because, Bradley's not a guy you go out. You know, he's a legit. Sure. He's he's an NBA caliber defensive center
1: who's. That's the reason he's still in the NBA. <laughs>
2: right, that's yeah. his calling card. So it's not like you know. I think I'd feel a little better about it if you're like, oh, LaMarcus, he's being guarded by Josh Jackson or or, or someone on the Pistons that he can really yeah. back down. You know, that's you're not necessarily matchup hunting. So. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's like you'd like a little more creativity for the Nets to try to get him in more of an advantage position. Either just better position in the post or just like try to get him that mismatch. But they also just lack the ball handlers with that unit when the stars aren't out there.
2: Yeah, it's like even you could say, hey, Patty and LaMarcus go pick and roll, pick and pop. But like if that's the base of your offense, Patty's not a rim pressure guy. And you know LaMarcus isn't rolling, so it's much easier to make sure that doesn't kill you where – If it's sort of a scrambled possession or a second side action and Patty comes off a screen and then LaMarcus pops and it's much more organic like that, you feel better about it. But it's not a play where you can be like, all right, Patty, get the ball, get to the side. LaMarcus, go set the screen. You know, everybody's ready for this action. Yeah.
1: And I think that's like where they're missing that, you know, potential backup offense runner you know what i mean just that traditional point guard to run the show because patty's not that guy he's a score he's more of that like microwave x factor trying to pop they need somebody who can just like run the second unit they need james harden to get a rest or kd to get a rest and they just don't have that player
2: right no patty's a little bit more (laughs) this is this is going to sound some sort of way but he's more of the mike james mold where uh he's obviously a better player and a better score thankful to have him on this team but you're not getting touches and ends and offense sort of managing abilities you know yeah
1: it's more scoring I mean even I think Mike James might I'm not really a big Mike James guy Jack gives me a hard time for it but uh, I think even Mike James probably handles the ball a little bit better in terms of like not applying rim pressure but just kind of creating things where Patty doesn't seem as interested in doing that
2: no no Patty's touches are short which I think is very Spursian um yep but he because they're short, he's not weaving his way through pick and rolls and like making th- third and fourth reads. It's like catch and shoot three, off the dribble three, two dribble pull up. And sometimes, you know, he'll, he'll attack, close out and then make an extra pass.
1: Yeah, that's about it. Lucas, anything on Javon Carter or Paul Millsap? Obviously didn't, neither guy played big minutes.
2: No, I don't, you know, Carter, if you're playing Brown and Bembry, it's like, it's almost redundant. Um and Carter is, isn't one of those guys where he's going to set up the offense. He's more just – he makes some nice passes in in scramble situations and he moves the ball. But, you know, again, he's not a guy that you trust to set up an offense. And I, I think we already talked about Millsap a little bit. But yeah, it's just – yeah, he's – I don't know. I, I'm on the Paul Millsap train. I think he's been nothing
1: less than good, fine, more than serviceable in his minutes. And – And I think he could be better if he actually had, like, minutes to play. Like, just imagine playing five to six minutes a game. Yeah, it's hard for him. And it
2: makes, like, if he goes 1 for 3 or 0 for 2, it makes his numbers look a lot worse. Whereas, you know, if he's getting a little bit more playing time, he has more opportunities to impact the offense. I mean, before it was more like, man, Blake isn't giving them anything. Why not put Millsap in? But even without a lot to complain about with Blake, I just feel like Millsap is, is better at, which I didn't expect to say, but better at creating offense for others. You know, I, kinda hope I think he he's
1: better at putting the ball on the ground too and like taking advantage of the open space.
2: He is. He is. That's
1: kind of what I anticipated from Blake a little more just
2: because yeah. of Detroit days and like, oh, he can kind of do some things and, cre- and set, some, so set up some opportunities from go- for some guys. But Millsap has been way more of that guy this year, which is why I'd like to see them play him more.
1: Yeah. And tonight it just almost made too much sense. Like give Blake the night off. He played really hard against the Raptors, let Millsap get those minutes. And it just wasn't the case. I, I think Steve Nash is probably going to handle the back to the next back to back a little bit differently, just because guys look more gas. Maybe he's more prepared in the first night, or maybe they throw somebody else in the rotation, be it one of the rookies or the two way guys, just to get that extra infusion of energy because they lacked it in the second half. They'd lacked it in the second
2: half. And Without Kyrie and without the rim pressure and what we've talked about, sometimes the Nets just need guys to do stuff out there and, and press the issue. And I did not expect Millsap to be that guy for them this year, which is why I think I've been calling for more minutes for him than I had anticipated myself doing, just because he seems to really realize that. You know, It doesn't seem like he's trying to do too much for himself, it seems like it's coming from a place of I, I need to inject something into this offense. I need to just bull rush my way towards the rim and, and get some it. layups. Yeah, and and it's been working, you
1: know. I mean, it's not perfect. It's not pretty, but I think they need some of that. And I think some of the shots he's missing, he would make if he just had rhythm. And I think it's just so hard for a player, especially a a guy like Millsap, who's played, you know, good chunk of minutes every year of his career. Last year, he kind of saw a little bit of a drop off. But like, it's just hard to really find your feel. And Jack always brings up this point of like, he just seems like a guy that would play really well the superstars too. Just he understands how to be a role player. And he just hasn't really got many opportunities to play with KD and Harden
2: right he that's a great point too because his minutes have all been sort of that second unit and i get that if (laughs) it's just a really bad lineup if you think they're lacking creation like i get like oh milsap can you know do some of those things and inject some juice but as you said he also seems like a guy that would just be excellent with 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 the stars i mean he is a the one thing that really pops on his tape is he's a great screen setter Mm. which you imagine which you imagine working super well with kd you know, handoffs, pin downs, that type of thing.
1: Yeah. And I think even I like just like some of the small things he does, like handle the ball in transition. It's just like something simple that can create some semi-transition opportunities and get you a good look. No, that's a great point.
2: Um, Especially on this Nets team, because, you know, you rebound, you bring the ball up the floor. There's a higher chance either Harden or KD has a mismatch. Yeah. It goes two ways because with Kyrie, it's even more, you have an even greater chance that one of those three guys has a mismatch. And, And now you need to be even faster because you only have two
1: sort of mismatch hunters. But Mm -hmm. then it it, puts more pressure on the opposing team to get back in transition instead of being able to just murder the boards.
2: Yeah. It's just it's all those little sort of connective glue things that you think he brings that, you know, when you imagine an ideal Blake Griffin, you think, Oh, Blake can do all those things and this and that. But I would like to see Millsap in that role as well.
1: Yeah, and I think given both guys are so old and at this point in their career, it just makes sense for Nash to kind of try to utilize different ones on different nights. Like, that's why just that's what I envision going into the season. Like, all right, you know, we have a lot of bigs. Obviously, Klax is out right now. But just give guys the night off so they can stay fresh and then play somebody else who they can just burn out on that night. And then the next opportunity, they're good to go.
2: Yeah, I like that more than the Millsap is getting five minutes tonight or seven,
1: yeah. eight minutes, you know. It's just, it's really hard for, you know, obviously you played a lot of basketball, just like trying to find a rhythm and such a short stint. it just doesn't really work for you.
2: Yeah. And and he's not touching the ball a lot. So, so on top of that, so the three pointers, the shooting is even harder because you're colder, you're not in a rhythm and you're not really getting that, those touches. So,
1: yeah. I'm kind of interested to see what happens with him throughout the rest of the season, but Lucas, anything else you want to touch on from this game? I don't think
2: so. I agree with you though. It doesn't feel like Millsap is just going to be an eight-minute guy the whole season. That just kind of doesn't feel like why they signed him and this and that. So,
1: but other it could than that, be like similar to Bruce Brown last year. Maybe Nash finds his role later in the season.
2: Right. Yeah. Man. Maybe. Yeah. This season is far from over. You know. You never know what's going to happen. Maybe Kyrie comes back and Millsap is a really great fit with him. You know. There's a lot of possibilities. So. Other than that, I don't have too much to say about this game. Um, You know, it's hard to feel too bad about this one just because we saw a a, rejuvenated or an energetic Nets team play really good defense for large stretches of the game against a pretty quality opponent. Um, Yeah, you know, moral victories are whatever, but early in the year, back to back, two good teams, cross country, you know, travel or international travel, I should say. Yeah, this one's a wash. You you win the next game, you win the next two games, this one hits the rearview mirror really quickly. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly, and I think you've made a great point. The first 20 games of the season, I think – some of these games aren't going to they're not really real results almost like some of this is just like hey the nets aren't conditioned (laughs) like james harden is gas he's not playing well If he plays better maybe they have a chance to win or just different opportunities like that and you know like you said they beat orlando on wednesday they feel good about it the bulls are a good team they're gonna i think the bulls are gonna be more hyped up for a matchup against the nets early in the season to kind of prove themselves rather than that's like oh we need to beat this up-and-coming bulls team yeah and i think you could tell that by the crowd tonight which was excellent by the way that was a
2: like it was a great atmosphere for that game super fun so
1: yeah it really was i mean they had a lot of noise early on too like it wasn't even just like late in the game but then towards the end of the game it just got hot for like even the most basic things like even vucevic missing you heard them
2: (laughs) yeah 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 no that it felt you know i'm not gonna say playoffish but it felt like the game that really mattered you know it felt like a like a saturday night prime time national television sort of game you would never know it was just Another Monday night game.
1: Yep. Conference opponents. So, Lucas, always a pleasure. Big thanks for hopping on and big thanks, everybody, for listening. And you can catch the buzz on all streaming platforms.